0: You and I spend a great deal of time trying not to be sad, not to be sorrowful, to do everything we can to experience happiness and not sorrow. That's why it's really odd that Jesus says these words in Matthew 5 verse 4 when he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I mean, recognize what Jesus is saying is, Happy are you when you experience deep sorrow. What? But what is he getting at? What is he driving us to? What does he mean? Jesus is teaching us that joy comes after mourning, after deep sorrow. Like I said earlier, it's why Easter and the joy of it is after the sorrow of Good Friday and the cross. And Jesus says we should mourn. We should mourn over our sin. What, is it, what does it look like to mourn? Here are the words of James, the brother of Jesus, as he writes uh, in chapter 4. He says, but he gives us more grace. That is what, why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And he goes on in verses 9 and 10 and says, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning." In your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Right? Feeling sorrowful, feeling grief, mourning over spiritual, emotional, or financial loss that results from sin is what it means to mourn. When you've hurt someone, when you've verbally assaulted them, when you've abandoned someone, You feel the spiritual and emotional sorrow. When you make poor financial decisions and you live with the fallout, it may leave you feeling like a failure and falling into self-despair. If you are attacked, if you are robbed, assaulted, you know sorrow and you know what it's like to mourn. Mourning over sin is part of repentance. It's sorrow over brokenness in the world, but not just the brokenness in circumstances around us. It's also sorrow for our own sin, not just the consequences of it, right? It's like a child, right? When a parent asks a child, now, now, Johnny, you go tell Susie you're sorry. Say, I'm sorry for stealing your toy. Johnny's like, I'm sorry. Can I have my toy back? And you're like, is Johnny really sorry? Or is he just sorry he got caught? Right? But mourning is really sorrow, not for being caught, but, but for the actual sin and what it is and the betrayal it is against the Creator, against God. To excuse it or to rationalize it, to say it's no big deal, is, does not adequately deal with the problem because it vastly underestimates the righteousness of God. Like a child trying to hide from a parent behind a chair. The parent can see right around the chair. (laughs) They think they're hidden. Like, we can't hide from God. He sees, he knows, and he's righteous. You've probably heard the saying, if you commit the crime, you do the time. Right? The whole point of that saying is the penalty should fit the crime. Now, think about that just for a moment in relation to sin against God. If your crime is treason against the creator of the world, you have a big, big problem because the penalty for your crime is going to be severe. His world has become corrupt. You and I contribute to it and are sometimes circumstances of, uh, or we suffer the, the consequences of being in that corruption. And for that, we have to face justice. We have to face the justice of God. That's why the Bible talks about that, right? A a great reckoning, the judgment day, when God will make accounts of everything and everybody must give account and be satisfied before God. That's uncomfortable to think about, like, "Uh, let's not talk about that. That's the reality. The Creator wants an accounting for how we've messed up His creation How we've disordered it, how we've broken relationships, how we've hurt people, how we've done all kinds of things. And that leaves you sitting uncomfortable, squeamish. I get it. I feel it, too. But I want you to step out of that for a second and just look at it from the other side. Picture this for a moment. Your kid's at school. There's a bully on the playground. He beats up your kid. Your kid comes home, and you're like, what happened? Like, this guy beat me up on the playground. All right, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. No, you want justice. You want the bully off the playground. When terrorists strike and bring fear into people, we don't say it's no big deal. We say, no, we want the terrorists punished. It's because you know in your heart that there is a thing as justice and you want justice. We just don't want it for us. God won't tolerate a world remaining in the state of injustice and terror. He will one day set it right. But until that day, before that day, he comes into the world on this Good Friday. And one of the things we have to realize is apart from Jesus, your sin is horrific to God. And you're in grave danger apart from Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you're in grave danger. And you don't know the length of your life. Jesus says you must mourn. Because if you don't mourn, you don't get the beauty of the second part of that verse to be comforted. Joy comes after the sorrow. We don't like... Being in our sorrow. We don't even like to sit for three minutes in silence. That's awkward and uncomfortable. Let's move on then. Let's move on from the mourning to the comforting. What what about that comfort? What is that comfort? How do we get that? Where do we find that? I want to read to you from Isaiah 61 the first three verses. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Then they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Right in the middle of that, the prophet's talking about the one who will comfort those who mourn. And Jesus arrives and says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. He's the one who brings the comfort. If you've been mistreated, if you've been harmed, abused, sinned against, repeatedly stuck in the fallout of your own sinful choices, how do you find comfort? You don't just turn within and find it from within and I'll just figure it out and I'll just try harder and get better on my own. How's that been working out? probably good for a little bit and then you go man what happened i fell off the rails again you need to find comfort in christ comfort comes from seeing the tender mercy of christ for sinners when the holy spirit confronts you with the ugliness of your rebellion of your treason the holy spirit also will show you the beauty of jesus as your savior there's something i want you to understand today Right There's many things I want you to understand, but one thing I really want you to understand is this idea of the holiness of God, that He is completely righteous, He is different from us, He is not like us. He is holy. And that holiness, the holiness of Christ, finds sin revolting. And what I want you to understand is, yes, that the holiness of Christ finds sin revolting. And what you probably then think is because then the holiness of Christ finds my sin revolting, He will turn away and run. But that's not what the Scriptures teach us. Blessed are those who are mourned, for they will be comforted. What the Scriptures teach us is that the holiness of God, yes, is, of Christ is revolted at your sin, but the holiness of Christ also moves towards sinners with compassion. Moves towards sinners to come to them in their time of need. Moves towards sinners who are mourning, who are suffering. It is the holiness of Christ that moves him in that way. It's a beautiful and wonderful mystery. So that if you trust in Christ for your salvation, your sin does not drive Jesus away. It draws him in. And that's just weird. Because any other time, if it's your spouse, if it's your child, if it's you as a parent, when something goes wrong, you want to hide. You put up walls and you walk away. That's not what God does. Sinner, God does not do that. He moves toward you. He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. If you have cancer, hopefully what you do is you treat it, right? You try to kill it off in order to get rid of the disease to preserve your body. It might hurt. But the goal is not to harm you, the goal is to actually help you. So Christ is doing that with you. Yeah, he hates sin. But he loves you, Christian. He loves you and he's covered you. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says, where sin increased, grace superabounded all the more. Where your sin stacks up, Jesus' love just dumps pictures on top of it and says, I got it. Listen to the words of Psalm 30. I believe David writes this one, verses 4 and 5 and then verse 11. I think we have a slide for that, if we could put that up. Did I put it in there? I may not have. If not, I will find it. Okay. Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5. Psalms is a long book. You've got to flip a long ways through it. Almost there. Here's what it says. Sing the praises of the Lord, you as faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts a moment, only a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. You see, the path to joy is through mourning. It's this weird contrast in the Christian life, this dichotomy, but the knowing the depth of our sin is, is how we know the deep love of Christ. And that's what takes us to the heights of joy. Let me give you a couple of takeaways for this tonight. If you trust in Jesus as your Savior, then the righteousness Of God covers you the righteous anger of God has been satisfied by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross it's done it's complete it's settled it's paid in full it is finished some of you are like Tigger in Winnie the Pooh you just bounce around all the time joyful happy all the time you drive other people crazy because you're so happy. And you're just tigger, bouncing around all the time. By nature, you're carefree and happy. And, and it's possible that you may be prone to self-deceit. You may need to pause and give more thought to the seriousness of your sin and mourn, remembering that there is no thing that's small, that because of your sin, Jesus had to die on a cross. Perhaps you're not like Tigger. Maybe you're more like Eeyore. You're moping around. Your head's down all the time. By nature, you just are more easily disheartened and discouraged. And you're already aware of your failure and shortcoming and your sin. And you feel overwhelmed by it. And you're probably prone to self-pity. Jesus is not advocating when he tells us to mourn. He is not advocating melancholy or depression. He is certainly not promoting some kind of false piety where we walk around all the time, woe is me, I'm so bad. I know, I'm horrible and awful. That's not what he's advocating. Such self-deprecation is really self-absorption because the focus is always on you. And when you do that, you can fall into self-pity because you're looking at you rather than at God. God. And you need to remember that Jesus, though he had to die for your sins, he was glad to die for your sins because he loves you. He delights in you. He rejoices over you with singing, Christian. If you want the comfort of Easter resurrection and all the joy that's packed into that day, that morning as you get up and the light and the joyfulness and the colors and the kids and dress up and all that stuff... You need to mourn. Go through mourning to get to the joy. But our world mourns a lot. There's a lot of mourning, a lot of sorrow. We need that joy. Don't get stuck staring at the tragedy and the wreckage of your own sin. Turn your eyes to Jesus. In 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 255 crashed after takeoff, shortly after takeoff. 156 people died. One survived. But when rescue workers got there, the finding the one survivor, they didn't think it was a survivor from the plane crash. They thought it was a survivor from the car the plane landed on. It was a four-year-old girl named Cecilia. And they were befuddled, confused. How did this little child survive? They checked the manifest of the plane to make sure she was actually a passenger on the plane, and in fact, she was. As they pieced together the details, they figured out that As the plane took off and started to descend knowing it was going to crash, Cecilia's mom unbuckled herself, got out of her seat, got on her hands and knees in front of her daughter and covered her with her body. And she survived the wreckage, the suffering, the death, the crash because her mother embraced her and covered her. You see, Christian, Jesus has left his place in heaven. He has come to us. He has covered us. He has wrapped himself around us with his own body so that the justice of God and the mercy of God might meet and kiss us, saying, I am for you, sinner. My mercy is for you. Whatever you're going through that causes you to mourn, you need to understand that God sees you as lovely and righteous because of Jesus Christ if you don't understand this then whatever you're going through will be a double trial it will be a double trial in this way whatever the circumstances that you're facing you'll have that trial you're going through it's hard and I don't know how to bear it but the second part of that trial the double trial if you don't understand this that Christ covers you is that you will at the same time be asking does God hate me? Because why is this happening? But the cross reminds us otherwise that God does not in fact hate us. That he in fact comes to us. That he loves us. That he pursues us to the end. To the grave. Human love stories are wonderful and beautiful but they are a dull reminder of the love of God. They're only a shadow, of foretaste of the much greater love story. That is God sending his son Jesus to die on a cross in our place. I hope tonight that you know and feel his love. Let me pray. Jesus, I pray that you will help us tonight to realize that mourning is important, sorrow for sin is important, because in it we find the heights of joy. And I pray tonight that you will help us To really grieve for our sin. But not to be stuck in it. That we would find the heights of joy. That come Sunday, we would be bounding around. Uncontained. Uncontrollable. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.